far so good. Holy Spirit, please illuminate the words of scripture for us today that we might hear what it is that you would have us hear. Amen. Our gospel reading today is from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 17 verses 1 through 9. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. True story. I had a panic attack on a mountain last summer on vacation in France. So you're allowed to laugh. It's been long enough. It's funny now. I am not a beach person. Apologies to all of you who are planning that big North Carolina beach vacation for this summer. It's just not my thing. I love the woods and the mountains. The problem with this is that I'm super bad with heights. That's part of the reason that chair was so terrifying to me. (laughs) And there's this internal conflict within me where my sense of adventure and my desire to see that really cool thing at the top of that really high cliff uh, collides with the fact that I am, I don't have a lot of body awareness and I tend to be easily distracted. And so it's hard to convince my body and my mind that I'm not going to plummet off said cliff while I'm wondering at the site. We were on what was supposed to be a moderate hike to a beautiful lake at the top of an Alp, which sounds perfect. But after 20 years together, I still have not managed to internalize the fact that my husband and I have very different ideas of what an easy or moderate hike is. And that as a former gymnast and rock climber, he has no concept of what a fear of heights is like. I knew I was in trouble when we got to the top of the gondola taking us up to the top of the mountain, so I thought, and there was a ski lift waiting for us. For the record, this is not the first time I've been surprised by a ski lift at the end of a gondola that I thought took us to the top of a mountain. And as anyone in the room who also has a fear of heights knows, ski lifts were invented in the depths of hell as a torture device. (laughs) I managed to white-knuckle my way up to the top of the ski lift with my teenagers mocking me the whole way, and I regained my composure 
uh, to start what now, once we were up there, did not look like a terribly hard hike. I wasn't thrilled about the fact that I would have to go back down that ski lift at the end of the hike, but I managed to compartmentalize that and save it for later. And the hike that started looking off, uh, started off looking okay, uh, began to get increasingly worse. We had to scramble over rocks. We had to walk along narrow paths. And any time I turned my head to the right, I was suddenly hit by the fact that we were really, really, really high up that mountain, like eye level with the tops of the other mountains, which was both beautiful and objectively terrifying. We kept seeing signs that pointed to this alleged lake at the top of the mountain, but every time we turned a corner expecting to see the lake, it was just more rocks and mountains and vertigo. Finally, we came to a sign that pointed up a long, narrow, craggy, rock-covered trail that just appeared to go straight up into the clouds, and I lost it. I sat down on a big rock just off the trail, and I informed my family that I would be right there on that rock when they came back down. <laughs> no lake could possibly be worth it. And my dear sweet spouse tried to convince me to try it, but I was just done. I literally could not stand up. My body shut down and refused to budge. And so I said, I have great cell phone signal because we're really close to the sky right now. I'll be fine. See you in a little bit. And off they went up the terrifying, stupid death path while I tried to gain my composure. It was bad enough that we hadn't gotten to the lake yet. Now I was starting to worry again about going back down that stupid ski lift. And I really, really, really hoped I was not going to be that dumb American we'd read about in the news the next day that had to helicopter off the mountain. <laughs> now I have heard and I have preached a lot of sermons about mountaintop experiences on Transfiguration Sunday. And usually when I preach about these mountaintop experiences, I remind people that we can't rely on those nice feeling moments to keep us close to God because it's not all beautiful, shiny, important moments in life. There's always a call to service that comes from them. But I haven't heard or preached a lot of sermons on how ridiculously scary mountaintop experiences can be, especially if you are not prepared for them or you expected something different. Mountaintop experiences is one of those phrases that we Christians like to use to talk about big experiences where we feel the presence of God like Peter did on this transfiguration day. When I was in youth ministry, we would take kids to conferences where there was lots of loud music and cool young speakers, and the kids would always talk about them as mountaintop experiences because it felt so great. But the older I get, and the more times I preach on this passage, the more I think that that's not the right understanding of what a mountaintop experience is. And there's nothing wrong with feeling great after a huge worship service with great music, but that's not the mountaintop we see here in Matthew. This mountain in our passage today, like the one I got stuck on in the Alps, is scary. And after last summer's mountaintop meltdown, I feel like I'm starting to understand Peter's weird reaction to the transfiguration a little bit more. 
They get to the top of the mountain to pray. And Jesus just starts glowing, like straight up shining. And then Moses and Elijah are there. They have been dead and gone for a very long time. And yet here they are next to Jesus. It's really weird. And Peter says, hey, how about I make some tents for you guys to chill in for a little while? Such a strange reaction. I've spent a lot of years trying to figure out why in the world Peter would say that. Maybe he just needed to do something concrete in that moment. After all, it's hard to sit still with God. We like action. Maybe Peter sensed that the end was near and he didn't want to lose Jesus. So he wanted Jesus to hang out a little bit longer. Maybe he wanted to learn for a while from the prophets. But I think now, I wonder if it was just the safe option. He sensed that things were about to get really rocky and hard, and it would be much more comfortable to just set up camp in one place and stick it out there for a while. The road ahead just looked too hard and too scary. And we do that in church all the time. The road ahead gets rocky and hard, so we double down where we're at instead of trying something new. We sit down in the same pew we always sit in and try really hard to look like we're doing something very productive. But there's so much richness and beauty to the world that we miss out on when we do that. The kind of innovative, weird, compassionate, world-changing ministry we as the church are called to do is a beautiful and holy and terrifying mountaintop. Remember, all through the Gospels, we see Jesus ministering to people who everyone else sees and says, Ew, why are you hanging out with them? He was not popular with the privileged or important. And sometimes Jesus scared the daylights out of the people closest to him. If your mountaintop is all fuzzy, warm feelings and no fear, you might want to consider that you're not on the right mountain, or maybe you've not reached the top yet. Some of you may have seen my bio or heard uh, Matt telling you what a great preacher I am. I really hope I deliver on that. And you might have thought I would talk a little bit more about jail in my sermon this morning. And I will be around after church to talk more about that and answer questions, because people always have a million questions about what it's like to do ministry in the jail. But for now, suffice it to say, I know a little bit about being in scary places and doing ministry. When I started working for the Foundation of Hope, who provides the chaplaincy services at the Allegheny County Jail, it was really hard to say, sure, God, I'll go to jail every day and hang out with people the world hates. But it has been such a beautiful and holy space. I have such deep and incredible conversations with the people we serve there, and I have the joy of working with an amazing staff of pastors and imams and priests and rabbis, and no offense, but I see Jesus at work there more than I have ever seen Jesus at work in any sanctuary. It was already hard to be church in a rapidly changing world a few years back, and then the pandemic hit, and things got really rough. And for many churches, attendance is down and it's not going back up again. Giving is low. Programs that closed down in March of 2020 have either not started back up again or they're just kind of back up and running. 
And it's totally natural in those moments to try to find the mountaintop experience that will bring it all back. For a few decades now, churches have been seeking the mountaintop experiences that will bring things back to the way they were. Maybe if we just find the right pastor, or update the sanctuary in the right ways, or get the right fancy projectors or the right music. And having the right pastor is a very good thing. The space you worship in matters. Music is important. But those are easy. Those are comfortable. It feels like those lead to the whole mountaintop experience, but they don't get us quite to the top of the mountain. They don't really move us forward and out into a hurting and scary world. And that's where we meet Jesus on the mountain. I will say that it is delightful to be preaching somewhere this morning that is so full of life and growth. That is the exception to the norm these days. So embrace that. Y'all are definitely on the way up the mountain for sure. So don't stop when it gets hard. Not if it gets hard, when it gets hard. If we're not engaging in the community in new ways that look weird or scary or ridiculous to others, we're just building tents for Moses and Elijah. If we aren't questioning systems that hurt people, we're just sitting on a rock partway up to the lake. That's why ministry like what Foundation of Hope does for incarcerated and returning citizens is so powerful and so worth sticking around after church to hear more about. What are the difficult spaces in your community that seem important but intimidating to enter into? Go do it. It might not feel great all the time. Probably it won't. Do it anyway. The hands in the air, fancy worship kind of mountaintop experiences make us feel good for a little while. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're a welcomed respite for a weary soul but they are a waypoint. They're a place to stop and rest before we head up to the real and very scary top of the mountain where we feed the hungry, clothe the naked, house the homeless, care for the sick, visit the prisoner, welcome the foreigner, and provide for the poor. That is not an easy ask, I know. Jesus never promised us easy. He acknowledged the fear Things were not about to get any easier from that mountaintop experience in Matthew. They were about to get a lot harder for the disciples. Jesus was clearly not saying to have no fear because nothing scary was going to happen. He said to fear not because he was right there beside them in all the hard stuff that was about to happen. I also appreciate that. While Jesus is not to tell anyone about this just yet, the implication is that there is a time in which they will be called on to tell the story of this wild and wonderful and terrifying mountaintop experience. And you've probably noticed by now that I love to tell a good story. You've probably also noticed that I'm not still sitting on that rock on the top of that mountain. No, we did not have to call for a rescue chopper. In fact... About two minutes after I glued myself to that rock at the almost top of the mountain in France, I got a text message from my husband. Like I said, we were very close to the sky. The signal was great. (laughs) And the message said, the lake is literally right at the top of that steep section. There's a snack shop up here. They have wine. (laughs) 
So, of course, <laughs> I took a few deep breaths, convinced my legs to start working again, and started up that terrifying, stupid trail. And that stupid but stunning lake was ridiculously close to where I had stopped. And there was, in fact, a restaurant sitting on the edge of the lake. To this day, I still don't know how they get the food up there. But it was quite good, and because it was France, the wine was also top-notch. I considered asking at the restaurant if they got their food in via helicopter and if there was a way I could hitch a ride back down the mountain instead of taking the ski lift, but my family convinced me that would be too embarrassing for them. So I didn't ask. I hiked back down that dumb trail, and we saw a mountain goat, which was really super cool. And I cried the whole way down the ski lift, which was not super cool. <laughs> Friends, there is usually still hard stuff ahead, even after getting to the top of the terrifying mountain. But we have to embrace the hard stuff and press through it to get to the lakes and the French wine and cheese and the beautiful views and the holiness of the experience. And to get back to the bottom of the mountain where we can tell others all about the fear and the joy be ready to remind each other that Jesus is beside us, telling us to press through the fear. Don't let it get the better of you. This is a critical time for churches to lean into the uncomfortable parts of being on the mountaintop with Jesus. And you have a great pastor, folks. You've got a good leader here with you. <laughs> I love that he started his own clap for that. <laughs> but let me tell you this, friends, and I might get another uh, round of applause from him on this. It's not all on your pastor to do this work. It is time for everyone to start climbing the mountain together. We all occasionally need someone to text us from the top and say, hey, there's a snack up ahead. Keep walking. Friends, I have confidence that you are in a good space to start doing that, to start looking at what might be the uncomfortable but holy places for you as a congregation to live out your faith and to tell the story of the fear and the joy. Amen.